when you go into a theater like that, it's like, you might as well be sitting around the fire 100,000 years ago with the shaman telling you a story. And everybody's leaning forward, and there you are in the theater, and the fire's the screen, and the light is in your eyes, and, and you're watching uh, what the shaman tells you is, is a significant story. And you have to tell a story that people recognize. You can't tell a story just about something fantastical. It has to be something they say, oh my God, that's me. Right. And, and they get scared, but they get scared altogether. Hey, everybody. You're listening to Don't Be Afraid of Your Dreams, the podcast where we talk about the movies we love and the monsters we all face. Today, we're talking about permission to dream in your life with a little help from a Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Hey, I got a question for you. What's your favorite scary movie? If you paused dramatically, leaned in and whispered, my life, you are in the right place. You and Patrick Dempsey. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about what this show is. Well, to some degree, I'm hoping you're going to help me figure that out. I would like this to be a conversation and hopefully collaborative, but I'll tell you where I'm coming from and what my intention for this show is. Chances are, no matter where you are in your life at this exact moment, you're dealing with something that feels incredibly challenging. I think we can all acknowledge that life can be hard, sometimes scary, and we're all battling a monster of some kind. Maybe you feel like some nightmarish boogeyman, some shambling zombie or demonic entity has got you by the throat. I'm talking figuratively, of course. If you feel like you've got a legit demon on your hands, I don't know if I'm going to be able to help you, but call me anyway because I want to hear everything. I want to talk monster as metaphor, the monster that is the human experience and everything that goes along with it. For me, the way I've always made sense of the world has been through horror. It's my genre of choice, the language that I speak, and the lens through which I see the world. The movies, shows, and books that I love provide me an access point for me to examine and process my experience in a way that gives me some much-needed perspective. So I want to talk about whatever it is that you're going through and how the wisdom of these stories can help us face and get through it together. So here's the first ground rule of this show. We're going to acknowledge that the monsters you're facing are real. We're going to skip all that annoying, frustrating exposition and just jump right to the part where I believe that what you're facing is real and that it's scary. You don't have to convince me, rationalize it away, or sweep it under the rug out of embarrassment, especially if you maybe feel like your monster is small or insignificant in comparison to what someone else might be dealing with. I believe you, and I believe that anything you're feeling or dealing with is important. So... Now we can get right down to the business of trying to figure out what to do about it. Coincidentally, as I was preparing to do this show, Jamie Lee Curtis made an appearance at Comic-Con to promote the new Halloween movie, which, P.S., and by the way, is giving my life meaning. And a man in the audience stood up to tell a story about how he survived a violent encounter because of Jamie Lee Curtis's performance as Laurie Strode in the original Halloween. Let's play a clip of that. My name's Joseph, and I want to ask a question for Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, First of all... I'm just really grateful for the movie Halloween because 34 years ago it saved my life. Um, I was in a situation where someone had cut the phone wires and a guy was running around with a knife. Um, I was scared out of my mind and out of nowhere this thought inside of me went, well, what would Jamie Lee Curtis do? But to make a long story short, I'm here today because of the way that you portrayed Laurie Strode. I'm a victor today instead of a victim. Wow. Just like those people that you were talking about. Wow. And I never thought I'd get it. You're the only reason I came to Comic-Con this year. Okay. I realize that is a really extreme example, and I hope to God that you never find yourself face-to-face with a flesh-and-blood knife-wielding psychopath. But really, 
that's a snapshot of how I process things. I think there's a lot to be learned from all the heroes, final girls, telekinetic basket cases, and undead outsiders in these movies. Every last one of them. If horror isn't your thing and you're not familiar with a lot of the references or material we're going to be talking about, that's okay. Maybe you should stick around anyway because you never know what you're going to find when you share your experience. I think there's tremendous value in telling our stories and hearing that someone else understands, knows how you feel, and has gone through something similar. And maybe they've come out the other side of it and can tell you how they survived or what they did to move themselves forward. So what do you think? It takes a lot of courage to go into the deep, dark places. And sometimes when you're brave enough to do that, you find monsters there. The good news is we're going to take that journey and face them together. So as Nancy Thompson says to the Dream Warriors at the end of A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, when they're ready to go into battle for the last time, no one has to go in that doesn't want to. Do you want to? Should we do this? All right. Uh, I think I'm going to need a break before we can really dive into this, though. Can you believe it? Our first episode, and we already have a sponsor. Hmm. Let's hear a little something from Hypnosil. Hypnosil, because sometimes it's easier not to dream. Tonight, will you be able to catch a great night's sleep? Or will it once again elude you as you are relentlessly plagued by manifestations of your deepest fears? I've got to remember that appointment tomorrow. Did I pay the gas bill? Am I terrible at life? Is my face melting? Introducing Hypnosil, a dream suppressant that can give you and your ragged mind the sleep you need. Hypnosil helps most people sleep dreamlessly all through the night and works quickly to alleviate fear, anxiety, and unwanted encounters with malevolent dream demons. Be sure you have at least eight hours to devote to sleep before becoming active. Until you know how you'll react to Hypnosil, you should not drive or operate machinery. Hypnosil is a highly experimental drug and should not be taken without first consulting your doctor, therapist, or some grad school superstar. Hypnosil carries some risk of dependency. Side effects may include unpleasant taste, headache, dizziness, ennui, paranoid delusions, sleepwalking, coma, and death. Ready to catch a great night's sleep? Just climb into bed and leave the rest to Hypnosil. Because sometimes it's easier not to dream. Okay, groups in session. Straight talk only in this room. I wanted to start with Dream Warriors because this film is a deep well of wisdom and guiding principles that we're probably going to be going back to and referencing a lot. I think you'll be able to stick with me if you haven't seen the movie, but if you want to hit pause real quick to go watch it or refresh your memory, I'll wait. And while you do that, I'm going to do a shot of Diet Coke and Coffee Grounds and catch up on my paper mache crafting. Be back. Great. How many times have I seen this movie? Amanda Kruger, care to venture a guess? Hundreds of times. Bingo! Well, maybe not hundreds, but certainly many, many times. Not only do I think there's a lot to be mined from this film, but uh, I wanted to start here because seeing it in the theater was a pivotal moment for me and my horror fandom. A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors was originally released on February 27th, 1987. And because I'm that big of a dork, I usually try to have an anniversary screening of the movie every year. So if you are around on February 27th, maybe we can watch it together. I was seven years old when this movie came out, and I had not seen either of the prior films, but for reasons I can't quite explain, I knew that I had 
had to see this movie. My parents were kind of inexplicably wildly permissive when it came to what they allowed me to watch. So my dad did not hesitate for a second to take me to go see it. Really, this was kind of a lightning bolt moment from the sky. I'd always been drawn to all things scary and having to do with Halloween, but this was my first legit horror movie experience, aside from maybe Jaws. Up until that point, I'd worn out a tape of Young Frankenstein recorded off of local TV, edited, and with commercials. I watched it almost every day, and I don't think I even really got that it was a comedy since most of the jokes were going over my head. I just was really responding to the black and white, I think, and the Frankenstein elements of the story. I'd love to hear uh, what your trigger event was. What was the first horror movie you remember seeing? Always kind of a rite of passage thing, right? Anyway, Nightmare 3 was it for me. I knew from that point on that there was a whole another world available to me, and I was obsessed with the genre, but also this specific movie. I love the idea of entering the dream world to confront a monster. That plays to something very primitive, I think. I wouldn't have used these words at the time, but Freddy is the thing that lurks in your subconscious. The thing that knows your intimate secrets and deepest fears and will use them against you. But he was also something that could be bested if you were brave enough to face him. Those are kind of classic mythical themes that I really responded to and continue to respond to, I guess. Seven-year-old me would describe the movie in excruciating detail to anyone who would listen, reenacting scenes in my bedroom. Somewhat tellingly, I always wanted to be Nancy and not Freddy. And I'm nothing if not consistent because here I am 30 plus years later still talking about it. And that's amazing to me. The best stories, the best movies, the best songs, the things that we connect with, particularly as kids and teenagers, stick with us. And if we're lucky, our relationship with them continues to deepen and evolve over time. That's certainly the case with this movie and the way I process or identify with it has changed depending on where I am or what's going on in my life. So let's talk about what's going on in this movie for a second. Here we have the last surviving Elm Street children who are experiencing what their doctors call a group delusion. A shared nightmare of a boogeyman who is, of course, Freddy, coming after them in their dreams. They've essentially been institutionalized by their well-meaning parents who want to help them but are not able to really listen to and believe their kids or even begin to face the reality of what's happening. Enter one Nancy Thompson, and boy does she enter. Can you even handle that superhero reveal when she arrives on the scene with a strong shoulder, hair piled up to the ceiling, and that revelatory synth sparkle? Mm. Never sleep again. I wish that sound would play whenever I entered a room, or I could use it to kind of add some much-needed gravitas to my statements. I made dinner. I crushed that workout. Anyway. Our beloved heroine from Nightmare 1 returns, this time as a mentor and guide who not only knows what's really going on, but can help the kids face what they're dealing with because she has faced the same monster herself and survived. She's the only person who believes the kids and is really able to listen to them. Sometimes we just need someone who's willing to say, I understand what you're going through. Things really kick into high gear when Kristen, played by Patricia Arquette, maybe it's Kirsten, they can't even decide in the movie. They go back and forth between Kristen and Kirsten. I say Kristen. Demonstrates that she has the ability to pull people into her dreams. We first see that happen when she encounters Freddy as a giant snake slash penis, and she places an emergency telepathic call to Nancy who enters the dream to help. Nancy then facilitates an opportunity for the kids to consider and connect with their authentic power. A reservoir of, mm, let's say, magic and courage that they can use to kind of dream intentionally, taking control of their experience while giving Freddy a taste of his own medicine. Let's play a clip of that. All of you have this inner strength, some special power that you've had in your most wonderful dreams. Together, we can learn to use that power if we try. 
Not surprisingly, a lot of the power that our characters connect with seems to be rooted in childhood. In response to Nancy's encouragement, Kristen kind of wants to shy away from her gift, and she says, I haven't been able to do that since I was a little girl, or whatever it is that she says. And Nancy replies, you never lose a gift like that, you just forget how to use it. You just forget how to use it. Hoo boy. As kids, we're very connected with our magic. Most of us have a very clear idea of who we are and what we love. We believe that anything is possible, and we have unfettered access to that dream realm. Over time, though, life beats it out of us, and we're trained out of it by the process of growing up and getting real and practical, just trying to survive and keep our head above water. Somewhere along the line, we forget our superpowers. But sometimes, all it takes is someone giving us permission to dream, someone to remind us of who we are. I will say, though, it takes courage and strength to dream. Sometimes it can be easier to numb yourself, to take a shot of that hypnosil of practicality, of pessimism, or world-weary cynicism, to tell yourself you can't do something, to settle for less and not ask for more from your relationships, your job, whatever it is. It's easy to unintentionally compromise the terms of your own happiness and fulfillment just so you can kind of get by and meet the expectations of the real world. What if, no matter where you are, what's going on, if in any way your life is feeling too small, what if someone gave you permission to dream? What if I asked you what you can do in your most wonderful dreams to tell me who you are and what lights you up, even if it's something that seems lame and embarrassing from when you were a kid. All right, is this sounding twee and simplistic? I totally get that, but as Nancy reminds Dr. Gordon, let's try to keep an open mind. So let's bring this all back down to earth a little bit. I've had several moments in my life where someone pulled me out of a nightmare by reaching out a hand, even if they weren't aware that that's what they were doing. I'll tell you that the period of my life that I most connect to what the characters in this movie are going through was college. My college experience was utterly miserable. For a lot of people, it's the time of their lives that they always look back on fondly, but you couldn't pay me anything to have to go through that again. I was always a good student, so it wasn't that, but I was not at all prepared for college, socially or emotionally. I felt like I was being thrown headlong into adulthood, kicking and screaming, making choices that I didn't want to make that I thought were going to dictate the entire trajectory of my life. You know, all that stuff. I was not at all on good terms with my parents, who, through no fault of their own, could not identify with what I was going through. One factor there was that I told them I was gay. They absolutely didn't believe me, didn't believe that it was possible and sent me to therapy to try to cure me. This is not this is not a coming out episode, but that's just a taste of how I was relating to the characters in this movie. So I go off to college feeling disconnected from everything, including my parents, having no idea how to begin to carve out an adult life that resembled one that might actually want to live because I couldn't have even told you what that looked like. I was in the bell jar. I imagine I would have and should have been diagnosed with depression at that point. I wasn't sleeping. I'd stay up for days and nights at a time, sleepwalking through everything. Like Jennifer in the movie, I would sit in the TV common room, watching Friends and Seinfeld, just hoping that someone would eventually come in and talk to me, but they never did. I wasn't burning my arm with cigarette butts while I was doing it, but I was eating an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's every time. I declared uh, a business major because I thought that's what you did. You went to school, studied business or something practical, then went and got a job. The end. That probably sounds stupid, but I really saw no other options for myself. I started failing classes, which is easy to do, especially when you have zero interest in or aptitude for calculus and accounting. I was in trouble. I was drowning and asleep at the wheel, for sure. At some point, I was required to go to a mandatory academic counseling session to evaluate my progress. The advisor pulled up my records and, hmm... Hmm, okay. It looks like you'd initially been doing well in your classes where you're not 
doing so well is in all of the classes pertaining to your major. Why do you think that is? And then, have you considered studying something that might actually be of interest to you? What? What? You can do that? How? What? No. I mean, intellectually, I knew I could probably study or major in whatever, but I didn't see that as a possibility for myself. What would that look like? Where would I go from there? It's not like I'm creative or have a special ability I can hone. I'm just trying to get through this intact. Now, that may sound like a ridiculous example of something so obvious, but I absolutely needed to be asked that question. What if? What if you tried this? What if you remember just for a second who you are and what inspires you? and went back to that without trying to also tack on expectations and practicality. If that person hadn't invited me into that conversation at that point, I'm not sure what would have happened, but it absolutely changed things for me. I switched majors. I found a program that felt more like me. I found myself around other kids that I related to more who were interested in having conversations I was interested in having too, and I got out. Someone gave me a crack in the door, and I started to see that maybe there was something else beyond what I had the ability to see or hope for at that point. Now, if only I had really taken that experience and never found myself in that situation again, but that's okay, right? It happens. I've had similar conversations over the years when I've reconnected with people I haven't seen, maybe since I was a kid who are always very surprised to hear what I was doing and what kind of path I was on, including from old teachers. The response was always, huh, I always thought you'd be writing something. I always thought you'd be doing effects makeup or something to do with movies because you love that so much. I always thought you'd be doing something having to do with Halloween. I can still remember how obsessed you were. And I would always just kind of shrug it off and say, yeah, no. While also thinking, what would that even look like? Who am I to do that? How would that work? Right, like that's possible. So here I am again. Thankfully, I'm not as miserable as I was in college by any means, but I do feel like I'm in the middle of another phase of my life where I'm not really sure where I'm going. And maybe things would look different if I'd been able to stay connected to who I feel like I've always been and what I'd always loved. I know, I know, I know, I know, you've got shit to do, bills to pay, and important adulting, but what if, just for a second, you saw possibilities and potential? You don't have to know what they are or what they would look like. So let me tell you something. No, not yet, hang on, okay. All of you have this inner strength. Some Some special special power that that you've had in your most wonderful dreams. dreams. Together, Together, we can learn to use that power power if we try. try. There it is. What's your dream power? Even if it's something that seems stupid, like being beautiful and bad. Uh, Take it from me. One who knows being beautiful is a burden. No. But what's your version of being a wizard master, like Will? or strong like Kincaid. Here's what I want you to know. You have permission to dream. Just know that you can't. You don't have to do anything. If you're feeling disconnected and powerless to shape your life, think about who you are and what you want your experience to look like. And remember, you have a support team here, your own tribe of dream warriors who's got your back in this fight. Let's take a second for some housekeeping. What do you guys think of our theme song? I was having a really difficult time committing to something and finding something that I feel really spoke to who I am as a person and what the show is. Everyone is really riding high on 80s and early 90s, I guess, nostalgia right now, and I wouldn't want it to appear that I just jumped on that bandwagon because I actually never left the 80s. And what I got going now is kind of aggressive, kind of makes me feel like I'm an 80s sex bot, which is who I'd like to think I am, but um, probably have no hope of ever being or maybe like christy swanson as bb from deadly friend but i'm definitely more of an ann ramsey 
<laughs> Mama Fertelli than I am a Christy Swanson. Music is super important to me, so I was hunting high and low for the perfect thing. And um, I was discussing my dilemma with my partner, Patrick, and just kind of threw the mic at him and was like, solve this for me, just write a theme song and I'll go with it. And he was more than happy to do that. What? Me? Seeing I couldn't possibly... Okay, so here, I'm going to play what he came up with, just for compare and contrast. It's Davey's podcast. You'll love it the most. He'll tell you about killers, movie monsters, and ghosts. So go grab a cupcake. Get ready to dance. Unless you scare easy, then you might shit your pants. Because it's Davey's podcast. Powerful, powerful stuff. Uh, I think there was a little bit of Kaiser So saying going on there. His eyes were just darting around the room singing about whatever he happened to be looking at. There may have been a cupcake. Hmm. So I don't know. The hunt will continue. This is a segment I'm calling Ask the Horacle. I created a horror-themed deck of oracle cards. Horacle. Eh. That you can pose a question to if you're in the midst of some sort of crisis or just want some advice. You can pull from the wit and wisdom of horror films and see what the deck of cards has to say about what you should do. So I'm just going to ask for a general reading about the show now and see what the cards have to say. All right, we pulled support, and the picture on the card is the four girls from The Craft striding towards the camera, and the message on the card reads, you have a wonderful circle of trusted friends upon whom you can rely. When you're together, there's magic in the air, not to mention a vague hint of gayness. That's me. Your friends assist you in developing your natural talents and abilities and allow you to be your authentic self. Call upon your friends now as they can help you to navigate this situation. Together, you can make things happen. You guys, together we can make things happen. Let's have a slumber party and play light as a feather, stiff as a board. If you are listening to the show, I'm considering you an honorary member of my coven. Let's call the corner sometime and explore our dark powers. I have a lot to say about witches, but for now, that was Ask the Oracle. Episode one, I'm calling it done. I'm really happy you're here and I hope that you stick around to see where we go. If you'd like to learn more about the show or some of the clips that we played today, you can check out our website and our show notes. You can also follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I would love to hear from you. I'd like to hear what you think about the show. And if there's a movie or something you want to talk about, let's make that happen. For now though, I want you to know that I see you. I see who you really are. I see your authentic dream power and what you're capable of. Where, what, who you are now doesn't have to be the truth of your life. We can dream something better. So remember, you hereby have permission to dream and that's all you have to do. Be unconventional, be impractical, be beautiful and bad. Bye. This show is an Unreliable Narrator production. For more information, visit unreliablenarrator.org. In my dreams, I'm beautiful.